Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, the podcast that never saw that coming, honest. My name is Chris, I am your host and tonight I'm joined by not one, not two, but three guests. Yes, we've uh, we, we've hauled ourselves out on the internet and we've dragged in the first person that was available. No, I'm joking. No, we've uh, we've stretched our, uh, our claws out and we've got someone on who listeners to this podcast on a regular basis will be fully familiar with, I'm sure, because he's been on before, but uh, more to come on that in a second. First, let's get the regulars done and dusted. Uh, welcome back, Chairs. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Sorry, I was at the other end of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I visions of you sprinting across the room. Good, uh, good to have you back. And uh, evening, Phil, how are you doing? I am well. I am well. Excellent, excellent. And our special guest this evening uh, is a man, as I say, he's been on before. Uh, we know him as Matt, although I did have to check because I'm terrible with names. But you may know him as PSG Tourist. Uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm getting a little bit... Um getting a little bit of a, a complex because I think last time I was on with PSG had just lost to the Champions League final. So I feel like you're only, oh. you're only calling on me in uh, moments of uh, moments of high pebble for PSG, but I'm, I'm really delighted uh, to be here and uh, yeah, look forward to chatting to you guys. Yikes. I really hope I haven't. Uh, I didn't realise that was the last time, but yeah, I, I can remember the pod now you say it. Oh God. Well, let, let's hope we're doing a reverse jinx this evening. Um Right, so thank you for coming back on. We're um, apologies in advance, dear listeners, but if you're interested in in uh, sort of mid table and lower end of the table stuff, this probably isn't the podcast for you because we want to go ham on the title race this week because in our uh, a jolly old French football title race has been fantastic and it continued again this weekend. So let's uh, let's start with the big one then, and uh, and that of course, of course was the Sunday night game between Monaco and Lyon. Jez, I'm going to come to you first of all on this one, because um, if we separate out the uh, 430, 33 bad challenges and the 12 red cards or whatever the hell it was in the end, we'll come on to that. But let's just talk about the football first of all, because this was just a brilliant, brilliant game of football. Um, for, for those who didn't see, Monaco went in front through Kevin Volan, Depay and Memphis Depay with a deflected effort. Uh, brilliant runner has to be said to equalise Marcelo put Leon back in front, Ben Yedda from the penalty spot with four minutes to go. And then wouldn't you know it, uh, first Ligue 1 goal for 17-year-old Rayan Shirky getting the points for Leon. What did you make of this, Jess? Because I, I just say, taking everything out, which we'll come to, it was just a really entertaining uh, game of football. And if any potential TV contractors were watching, I'm sure they'll have uh, dusted off their wallets. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to think so, but I'm not convinced. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant. It was, you know, last week's 3-2 that, that Lyon were on the wrong side of was great, but I think that this was even better. It just It reminded me a bit of the um, the bit in Fever Pitch where Nick Cornby talks about all the ingredients to make a kind of perfect, epic match, which mm. included things like sendings off and 22-player uh, brawls and things like that. And... Um, this had everything except the the bad weather to to have all the sort of sliding tackles in. I think that was the only thing missing from his list. Um, you know, comebacks, swinging one way and the other, the red cards, the fights, the the beef that's come from uh, the last two meetings between the teams and spilled over into this one. The implications for the title race, for the Champions League race possibly even for sort of managerial jobs and vacancies come the end of the season. 
um, a 17 year old who we've all been waiting to for him to sort of explode getting his first goal um, it really had everything and, and it was as well as just being a good football match it also had sort of all the extra narrative and sort of plots and subplots that, that you want to see as well um, the kind of thing that you know, in in the Premier League they're very good at sort of hyping the the kind of soap opera and, and the storylines on top of the football itself and, and for once well, not for once, but we've had it a lot, certainly this season, but it really had a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely did. Um, what did you make of it, of it first? Well, because I think you were watching along as, as I was watching along and tweeting along on Sunday and, and it was, it ebbed and flowed, didn't it? And it was just one of those games where, I mean, I'll be honest, when Monaco got awarded that late penalty, I, I only saw one winner at, at that point, but it was strange because when Leon went down to 10 men, Monaco didn't really take take the game which I thought was, was what's going to happen go for the throw they didn't really do that um let's say we'll probably talk about the conduct in a minute because there's a few questionable decisions but overall is, is this just is this just that game that Monaco will look at in not yeah. just a few weeks but a few years and go oh if only because that was the one we needed to win yes because now it's opened up a gap between the top two and um Monaco and Lyon and I think Monaco were looking at this as right, this is our chance to put a marker down, to stay in it, to, to make a statement. And we, it had everything, as Jess said. It had Kevin, had a Wissembenjene penalty. You know, there was so much going right for Monaco and then it was taken away just at the last moment and then there was a fight. So it's like, hmm, okay. I'm pretty sure as a neutral, this was just the most fun game to watch at the weekend. But uh, the fans of those, those respective clubs will have been having kittens throughout because it was just so, uh, as you say, end to end. So it's had a big impact on the table. And I think an impact that we weren't, the impact we weren't expecting it to have in a sense. So for Leon to come back from that and kind of put the spanner in the works is uh, fabulous for them, but it's really made the, the last couple of games of the season look even more interesting than they were already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, probably it might be a strange thing to, to ask of you, Matt, to, to give your opinion, because I'm pretty sure you were probably just sat there going, Oh, this is lovely. This is really, yep. this is really lovely from a PSG perspective. We'll, we'll come on to PSG in a second, obviously, but sort of as a, a, a sort of a semi-neutral, although you maybe have kind of a dog and a half in this fight, I guess you would put it. But Vested what did, interests. That's, that's the last word I'm looking for. What, what did you make of it as a spectacle, Matt? And, and it, it, did you have a, did you have a preferred result? And if so, was Leon winning that result? Uh, yeah, I think so. Just about just because of the sort of form Monaco have been in, and then being a few points closer, I think it, it was a preferable. It's preferable from our point of view to to get it down to a two horse race, which I think it basically is now. But um, I think generally, yeah, just a really enjoyable game. I, I've people say you don't like to see those scenes at the end. Well, I definitely do like to see them. I thought it was uh, it was highly amusing personally. Um, I mean, the only thing which let it down for me was the sort of uh, 
tearful Jean-Michel Olas on the final whistle looking a bit happy. I mean, I prefer um, I prefer it when the camera cuts to him in the stadium and he's, you know, got a face of thunder because something's gone badly wrong. Uh, but um, I think in terms of the game itself, I think I was just surprised that Monaco having gone 1-0 up and, um, you know, having a man advantage as well, didn't kind of see it out quite comfortably. And it feels like the first time they've blinked for a while, but or certainly in a, on the big occasion. But um, like you said earlier, I think... Um, probably um, going to be the game they look back on and think, oh, well, that's a real missed opportunity. But yeah, generally a very, very enjoyable match. And um, uh, yeah, some 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 great storylines to talk about for sure. Yeah, absolutely um, indeed. It's to Leon's credit that Monaco hadn't conceded in nine and, and only conceded one in 12. So to yeah. go there, all the jokes aside about, you know, Monaco and home form and all that kind of thing. But to go there and, and score three is great. But I think, um, yeah, it sort of also suggests that to an extent, Monaco haven't been tested for a while. And, you know, good for them. They haven't been tested because they've been doing so well defensively. But maybe that was a little bit new and a shock to them that suddenly they're having to come from behind and, and just face a different challenge to the ones they've been facing for the last two or three months. And they were found a little bit wanting. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that's that's a very fair point, and it, and it was a it, we've all kind of touched on the fact it was a bit of a uh, fractious affair. I'm going to say um, we we saw sort of the red card in game for Maxwell's Kukure, which was I think justified personally. He he was late twice. I don't think they were horrendous challenges, but he was definitely I think late. The first one was harsh, unless it was sort of you know this is your third fourth foul. That's what I believe the um, it was Topan, wasn't it, refereeing this game for memory? Um, I believe that was. That was what he. It was indeed, yeah. That that was what he. Um, I think he did the whole one, two, three on his fingers thing for. So I believe that was the first one, and and the second one was was definitely late. There were studs down. The the argument that came post match from Messers, Kovac, and, and Garcia, excluding the the final whistle, Kovac was basically saying, well, that was all instigated by Leon, and and Garcia Garcia came back and said, well, when you have twenty three fouls against your opponents and they don't get a red, what are you supposed to do? There was a couple of decisions I thought that were strange. I thought um, Tokoi Kambe, uh, Tokoi Kambe, Kadawiri, sorry, was very lucky to stay on for easily a studs up and studs stamp down on, I think it was um, Shuomeni, was it for final one of the two? That was a very poor, in fact, no, it wasn't. It was Kai Enrique. And Anthony Lopez is the one that really intrigues me. Um, Matt, what did you make of that one? Because... You know, I, I think we've seen quite a few incidents where goalkeepers have come out and taken people out in terms of like running through on goal. But usually when this sort of situation happens where a goalkeeper basically punches someone in the head, I couldn't work out why it was a yellow card. For me, it's either play on you give the corner or, or it's a red. Do you sort of tend to agree with that? Or did you sort of think a yellow was fair in this circumstance? No, absolutely. I thought I was uh, quite surprised it wasn't a red card as well. I mean, I guess the... I, I guess the thing you'd say is that he was he was sort of uh, going for the ball in a in an honest fashion rather than uh, going out to to punch the guy in the face. But <laughs> when you saw it slowed down and you saw his like cheek rippling as the uh, as the fist connected, it did look it did look pretty uh, pretty spectacular. Which I'm sure I mean I, Lopez probably quite enjoyed because he loves the spectacular doesn't he I mean, if ever there was a goalkeeper to be penenka it's him because you know that he's going to do some crazy dive like probably uh about five minutes before the uh before the the taker kicks the ball so yeah he was uh he uh benyard has certainly spotted a uh spotted a floor there i think 
Yeah, yeah, it was very much ice in the veins, that penalty, particularly when you consider it's four minutes to go. Obviously, it didn't count for anything in the end, but a quality pen. And um, Phil, you you like a fight, as you said before, so um, we should bring up the end of the scenes. I mean, apparently what sparked this, although I'm not sure I necessarily believe this, but apparently it's to do with the fact that Matteo De Cilio really doesn't like Pietro Pellegrini, and, and apparently that's what caused all this. Those two saw red, as did William oh. Goebbels. But I, I personally thought, well, for, just just from the naked eye, I thought Leon overdid this a touch in, in the celebrations. I get Ryan Shirky seventeen, but the the, the the finger to the lips, the whole sort of uh, you know, or oh, wait, wait, we want to see the reaction of Monaco on the touchline. I just thought it was a little bit classless from a team that you know. I get the results big for them, but they're six points off the title. They're not going to win the title. It was a little bit much for me, but what do yeah, you but make of it? it? You can play kingmaker, can't you? Mm. I think what Leon did here tonight was play king loser. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. fair enough. Um, did, didn't it, If everything kicks off after the final whistle, then, you know, the referee enjoyed himself. Um, it, I don't know. Nobody was hurt. No, I don't. I don't think it's just to do with this match. I think it's also to do with it goes back, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Monaco felt that Lyon were a little bit arrogant after the first match where where Lyon won four one, yeah. and then Lyon thought that Monaco acted pretty badly after the the recent cup tie. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. Which also involved. Some some quite nasty challenges on both sides, including Volans probably lucky to only get a booking in the sort of first ten seconds of the match. So I think a lot of it came from that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean I don't like the the sort of hubris whenever anyone does it. I mean you know come to PSG later and there was the whole thing with the Harlan celebration last year and and. Yeah. You know, you're always asking for trouble when you're doing that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it was partly celebrating stopping Monaco in their tracks, but it was also an extremely important result for Lyon. I, d- I don't really have any issues for them with them celebrating or over-celebrating. You know, a team, a club like Lyon within France should be qualifying for the Champions League every year, and um, this gives them a chance to do that when last week it looked like they weren't going to do so so it is important for them as well as to stop Monaco yeah 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 that, that's a very fair point the result was you know it's more than just about Monaco Leon very much needed this to get into Champions League contention I think I think for me to draw a line under it for really is with Shitazri is if you're going to give it you've got to be able to take it and and that's the thing so you know Monaco were upset I get it Leon were upset I get it both these teams kind of had it coming, like you said, Jess, from the previous games. And uh, yeah, I don't think you can guess upset if you have given it previously. So I guess it's kind of one of those situations. The highlight of the whole thing for me was Memphis Depay playing um, Peacemaker. That was the best part of it. Oh, I thought he'd have been well in there, but he was um, very much playing the um, the, the Peacemaker of, of the whole affair. I, but, think, um, I think it'd be interesting to see what, what happens when all the pictures are looked at again, because... Marcelo didn't seem to be that that involved. No, and also it's that has implications because you know against Lorient you'll be pleased to hear Lyon could potentially be without Denier, Marcelo, Kakare, Depay who's suspended for it as well. 
Yeah, I'm delighted. And these are these are five first teamers. You know, Monaco at least, Pellegrini and Gerbils aren't aren't. You know, they're Two although they've players. got a couple of injuries up front. They're not starters really. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. Um, Matt, do you want to come in there? Sorry. I was just going to say exactly that. I think. Um, uh, maybe the Leon have, have won the battle, but they might look back on the war and think it was a bit more costly for them because, uh, because as as Jess just said, uh, the players who got sent off are certainly and obviously Denier getting injured as well. They're uh, potentially bigger problems for them than the Monaco come out of this game with. So uh, you know Monaco got their problems as well with with Golovin being out and what have you. But uh, I think maybe this potentially hurts Leon more in the in the, the running if we're looking at those two for the for the final Champions League place. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because it does appear to be a, a straight shootout with three to play between those two, and uh, two draw line under the, the the two sides. Monaco's final three fixtures are, uh, if you exclude obviously they got the Coupe de France in the middle of this, but league fixtures they're uh, away at Reims, home to Rennes, and then away at Lens. Um, you, I would suggest that they're probably going to win the next two, but that away trip to Lens, who we've said before, are going to have quite a big say in this in this title race um, and qualification race, that could, could be a tough one on the final day. And uh, as for Leon, as Jess mentioned, up next, they've got the uh, certainly task where they won't expect to get anything from the mighty Lorient coming to town. <laughs> uh, I'm not worried at all. You're worried. But uh, that's their first game. And then they play Nîmes um, away from home and they finish with Nice. And it would be very Leon to, um, to either go and lose to Lorient or Neem, having won this epic this epic game. So we shall wait and see what happens with those two. Let's uh, move on then. And uh, Matt, coming back to you, because let's, let's talk a bit of PSG, Lons. We mentioned just then, actually, that, that Lons are going to have quite a big say in this particular title race. Um, on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how worried were you during periods of this game? Because Neymar and Marquinhos had got you into a fairly comfortable 2-0 lead, although it was one of those games where I felt like Lons were sort of playing within themselves a bit. And then when they got that goal back from Ganago, things did kind of change a bit, didn't they? Were you um, yeah. were you a bit concerned, especially given the fact that Bappe was, was out of this game rested as well? Yeah, definitely. Just because of how inconsistent we've been this season and just because it's very PSG, isn't it, to sort of sleepwalk into a 2-0 lead and then sleepwalk out of it just by accident. Uh, so I was, I mean, obviously Lons were a good team, like they caused us problems in the in the game earlier in the season and um, they did so again. So I was, yeah, I, I never felt completely comfortable in this one um, and I'm delighted, obviously, that we came out of it with the points because uh, with the title being, in, you know, well, it's in Lille's hands, isn't it? So we need to keep the pressure on them as, as much as we can with them having, um, you know, got a victory as well. It was, there's really no room forever. So, um, yeah, I was a bit concerned, particularly, and, um, you know, Lons without quite a few players by the sounds of it, um, caused us a lot of problems. So it was never really, a, I mean, you people will probably look at that and think it was a fairly routine win for PSG, but well, first, I mean, as a PSG fan, I don't feel those wins uh, exist anymore, but second of all, yeah. Um, second of all, uh, it really sort of, uh, the way the game went, it didn't, it didn't feel super comfortable at any stage. No. What do you put, obviously we'll, we'll talk about Champions League in a bit, but just in terms of the league campaign, what, what do you put the form at home down to? Because I, I, I think, and although, you know, there's there's all the people that sort of mock um, certain foreign leagues, especially France, but a lot of foreign leagues about, oh, the atmosphere is not that big a deal and whatnot. But I feel like that's had a big effect on, on PSG because when it, when it is rocking, it is properly rocking, isn't it, in, in the yeah. PDP? And it's felt a bit soulless. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, I think particularly in the big games, I think that can really give, because you never have that, like that many away fans, it really can feel quite a, quite an intimidating place. And I think, um, I think that has kind of let us down on occasion. And um, yeah. And also when you're sort of either when the opposition get in front or you're struggling to break them down, I think that it can be a real intimidating factor for the, for the opposition players. And also hopefully, I mean, when, when our fans aren't booing our own players, hopefully it can be quite a sort of inspiring, inspiring place to play as well. So yeah, it's been a weird, I think like last season, people were making the argument that PSG did so well in the Champions League in part because there was no crowd and no pressure. And, you know, we got through that second leg against Dortmund without any calamities, for example, in an empty stadium. But it feels like this season, the narrative's been completely opposite. And perhaps uh, you're right, it has kind of, Kind of hindered us a bit not to have anyone, uh, anyone in the park uh, uh, throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely one of those stadiums you really notice it, especially with the large sort of space behind the goals. In particular, you really do notice when there isn't supporters in in a stadium of of that size. Just, um, just uh, obviously, I say we, we are going to come back to PSG when we talk about the European games, but I, I do want to move on to to Lille here, and um, they. I, I'm sort of like I'm counting the games down because um, sort of forgive me here, Matt, but I think the neutrals' choice is, is Lille at this point. They got a two 0 win over Nice. Burak Yilmaz, just again, what a story! Like for a guy who's never played in Europe at 35 years of age to be doing what he's doing is just brilliant. Zeki Celik with a, a phenomenal, <laughs> just a phenomenal volley. That like the technique to put that away, I thought was brilliant. Latomba saw red for Nice, which didn't help their cause. What um, what what do you think is going to sort of ultimately define Lille's Lille's finish to the season now? Because they got this win, which obviously they needed. But do you feel like the the game they've got coming up on Friday is going to be the key now? Because they face Lens, who we just mentioned there against PSG, and that's away from home. It's a derby. What what's your sort of thoughts on on the Lille performance in this particular game? And and as we look ahead to the the game on Friday, is that the key one you think they've got to look at now? Um, yeah, I think it feels like that's going to be the crucial game because it'll just be very lance to, to kind of scupper Lille's ambitions. Obviously, it's a, a local derby and, and they'd like nothing more than to, to ruin Lille's chances. Um, you feel like if Lille do get out of that match or this weekend still top of the league, then because um, PSG don't have an entirely straightforward match, but... If, if they're still top of the league after this weekend, then they've got to be clear favourites and they've certainly got two winnable matches to, to finish the season with. But then we've also seen recently that, you know, they, they was it lost to Nîmes or drew with Nîmes? I think it was lost to Nîmes, scraped a draw against Montpellier. So it's not, nothing's clear cut at this stage. PSG are well back on track, but, you know, they lost that match to, to those matches to, to Nantes and Lorient as well, for example. So, any team is still capable of losing points, but it does it does feel like if Lille beat Lance, that's that's surely going to give them the enough momentum to carry them through. Yeah, yeah, you definitely feel that that's that is going to be the uh, the key one, um, Phil. With regards to if you just look at PSG and Lille, because I, th- I think it's fair to say now they are the two, unless there's an absolutely dramatic just nuts weekend where both PSG and Lille lose and the other two win, which I, I don't think I can see. You never know. But um, Lens-Lille is, is the Friday night game. Lille have also then got a home tie with St Etienne and away at Angers, who 
are probably the most on the beach team in Europe right now, let alone let alone the French League. And uh, PSG's running, excluding cup games, of course. Uh, they've got uh, Rennes in uh, Ligue 1 next up. That's at the weekend. Then they host Rouse and they finish away at Brest. Uh, I think probably Rennes is the only one that you'd look at there and go, mm, OK, away uh, from home. Is, you, is this you, next you, weekend? You were key? saying, you know, a crazy weekend. I think this weekend coming has the most potential for it's crazy. The one with peril, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not expecting it to be perilous, but if Lille are playing Lance and PSG are playing Rennes, then those are both teams who could cause problems. So people will have to be at the top of their game, and a certain team has quite a lot on at the moment. So. Will that make any difference? Because I think, obviously, Lille beat Nice at the weekend 2-0, despite rumours about uh, Gaultier's future, which I think is probably just media shithousery from somewhere. I don't think Nice managed a shot in the entire game. Um, And they had Latomba sent off shortly after half-time, so not exactly challenging. Um, But I think Lille look to be in the position where they can take advantage of that, which is not something that every team can do. So I think Friday night is going to be really interesting because that's going to set the tone for the whole weekend as well when they play play Lens. So, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be an interesting one. We're still, we've still got a title race, people. This is mm. brilliant. Apart yeah, I, I, that. I, I but, think I you know it is. <laughs> so I think that's a that's a good thing that we're got, coming into this with no clear front runner. Even even a draw at the weekend for both Lille and PSG, which you could conceivably see happen. That would take Lille to 77, PSG to 76. If Monaco were to win and go to 74, and Lyon were to win and go to 73, um, which... Exactly. You know, already, yeah, I mean, fun. we've already covered that, that Lyon are definitely not winning against Lorient, so we can rule them out. But Monaco, you never know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just... I, I Yeah, I still think there's something in, in this, but as you said there, I think the key... It's very important. The pressure is all on Lille right now, um, and they've got to. If if they don't get anything apart from three points on on Friday, they're going to hand the advantage right back over. Um, Lyon are up next on the Saturday. The Lyon game is at four o'clock, and then Monaco are in the four o five sort of spot on Sunday against Rams, and then obviously PSG finish up. So PSG are able to kind of sit back, and they'll know exactly what uh, what is coming. And um, it is on to PSG that we'll, we will go next. We'll come back to finish up the show where we talk about the rest of the results in, in Ligue 1. But, um, Matt, this is where I'm going to bring in bring in the pressure on you and uh, unfortunately kind of uh, lever you into the, the Champions League game. I guess by the time PSG play Ren, play Ren on Sunday, they'll know where their season priorities lie because, uh, obviously, depending on what happens tonight, time recording on, on the 4th of May, it's the Manchester City game in the Champions League tonight. First question, I'll just go in hard, two-footed from behind. Are you <laughs> going to win this game? Uh, uh, I think that probably is my answer, uh, isn't it? my um, question, yeah. <laughs> no, I think probably not. No, but we might. Like, I'm not, I'm fairly, fairly relaxed about this. I'm, 
I'd say if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say 30% PSG, 70% Man City. And I mean, you guys might disagree with me because obviously I'm a bit biased, but I think we can win it. But I think that it's unlikely that we will, or certainly it's unlikely that we'll, we'll win it by a margin, which will send us into the, into the final as much as I'd love that to, to happen. Um, I, you know, having said that, it, stranger things have happened. And I think we know Man City uh, sort of <laughs> have a record of choking, which is not as uh, not as sort of spectacular as our own one, but certainly is is substantial and is a body of work which you can you can take solace from as a as a PSG fan. So I'm not confident, but I'm you know I'm sort of uh, vaguely optimistic that we can do something if the stars align and um, and basically our our big players turn up. Yeah, you slightly surprised me that because I, I I actually have a weird sort of I mean maybe it's just the the hope in me is the hope that kills and, and trust me coming from an Arsenal fan I can confirm that is a hundred percent the case but um I, I sort of I think that I think it's more of a 50 50 um let, let's take a straw poll here Phil what, what's what's your thoughts ahead of the, the game tonight are you, are you in the 70 30 camp 50 50 camp or somewhere in between I'm in the I have biscuits and a bottle of wine camp and I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> You're just going to sit back and and not and not have not have a, a horse in the race to use you, that analogy again. You know my my background in in predicting anything. I am not risking this one. <laughs> so you are going to sit back. Anything could happen. Rain, that's that's codes, Anything. I mean, if that happens, I'm I'm giving up on podcasting because we'll have seen it all. Uh, Jez, I have a suspicion you may well be able to go deeper on on this one. So, where where are you sitting in this one? I mean, are you, and are you taking taking aside any offence calls to Max? I'm sure he'll understand. Which which side of the camp are you sitting in? Are you in the I want PSG to go through because it's good for French football, or are you in the I'd quite like to see the world burn camp? Because um, I. I, I do want PSG to go through it. I, there, I've said it. I, I really do. And I, I feel like they've got enough, but does it hinge on a certain centre-forward being fit? Uh, I think it might do to an extent, yeah, and he's not starting. Um, is that, is that official? Not fit. I mean, mm. I want PSG to go through. Uh, I think I tend to agree with Matt. I think 30-70 probably is a good way of putting it. I think PSG's recent record is especially in the Champions League, is a lot better away from home. So there's sort of some confidence or comfort to be drawn from that. But City's home record is very good. And also the recent away wins from PSG have been in the first leg. I think this is very different. And, you know, chasing a team that is so accomplished at just holding on to the ball is, is going to be really difficult. And, and yeah, the the fact that Mbappe, who's, who's kind of the, the obviously the, one of the two players, but the one that I think is a little bit more reliable, despite what happened in the first leg, who you sort of want to see some kind of match-winning spark from. If he's not 100% fit, that's an issue. And to be completely honest, as a France fan, I would much rather that he stayed fit for the Euros than than risk him sort of sustaining a more serious injury tonight. Um, that's Mbappe, by the way. <laughs> we, we <didn't laughs> You weren't talking about uh, you weren't talking about Mario Icardi there, or uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think. I mean, you know, the, the first the first leg was so frustrating because PSG were so comfortable and so dominant in the first leg, and it was interesting. I was, I was listening to the Totally European show this morning, and and they were all agreeing that 
um, all this fuss about how City's second half was the greatest thing that performance <laughs> ever. Oh man, yeah. underrated. I mean, yes, they basically all they did was start pressing and pushing in the way that they usually do anyway, and it was a surprise they didn't in the first half. And PSG probably did sit back too much, but at the same time, you could also say Navas didn't have that much to do. The defense was relatively comfortable, and both goals were not freak goals, but you know, mistakes rather than City doing anything. Weird. Mm. So especially it's, that first one. I mean, that is just a it's a it's a cross into a into a hopeful corridor of uncertainty area, isn't it? That's all that is. But yeah, yeah. I agree. So you know, if PSG can keep as solid defensively then they, they've definitely got a good chance. But Mbappe not being there is is a blow. And we exactly. saw last year, you know, even if he does come on, if you're 100% fit, that's that's an issue. Yeah, because it, it, his, his game is all about movement, isn't it? That's that's the thing. If you don't trust your hamstring or your your thigh, whatever it is, then that is a concern. Is that is that officially oh. official then, that, that, that he's out? Because I haven't seen... He's not out, but he's... He's, he's starting uh, on the bench. So okay. you, you are worried... Just mentioned that they will bring him on if he's not fit on the grounds that a 50% Mbappe is better than nothing, and that could absolutely ruin him for the rest of the season and possibly the Euros. Um, I, you know, me, I'm the data geek. Uh, the XG on the first leg, uh, from Mike Cayley was 1.6 to 0.9. I think it showed that in the second half, the really it looked more like an a collapse of attitude than anything else. I don't know how you feel about that, Matt. That it looked really comfortable in the first half, and then second half, City start telling their fullbacks to actually, you know, move forward, and everybody seemed to lose their heads at a certain point and the Garnagay sending off was obviously a big part of that that it just it really did turn on on a pivot at half time and it was really strange to see that I know a lot of people uh, a lot of other commentators say that uh, you know PSG do a bottle job they've been so much more solid and cohesive and coherent this season but still managed to, I was watching the second half and the word in my head was collapse. And that was very worrying, but also quite surprising given how they'd dealt with certain other situations earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a completely fair comment. And as you say, it it felt like, I think as fans, like... um, a lot of us felt maybe we were past that sort of stage of where they were so brittle and that they could so they could be so easily kind of uh, knocked out of their stride and go into this sort of slightly sulky kind of petulant uh, panicky mode. Um, but it did really feel like, uh, particularly the sort of period around the goals. I think they recovered their poise a little bit towards the end, and but without sort of you know taking a threat to to Man City. But certainly that sort of middle, the beginning of the half and the middle period of the half, it certainly felt like. Uh, it was back to the the bad old ways, and Neymar was looking, you know, uh, huffy and sort of uh, whining, and you know all the stuff which people say about PSG, and I kind of feel as a fan is a little bit unfair and a little bit of a caricature. That was certainly all on display in that sort of in that second half. Um, I think it also speaks to 
slight concern that I've got over Pochettino. I mean, it's really early days, so I wouldn't like to, uh, I wouldn't like to sound like a sort of that I'm being hypercritical. But I think the second leg against Barcelona, they were they came out at the start of that and really looked completely caught in the headlights. And the first half, you know, we were lucky to get through it. At, I think it was one all at half time, wasn't it? So, but that was you know quite fortunate. And I feel like it was a little bit reminiscent of that uh, where we just sort of went into our shells. I think a bit of it was City just playing better. And I think, like you said, they were getting the fullbacks higher up. I think Walker had stayed back, hadn't he? And he was, he was getting up and he was getting on backer and that was a bit of a mismatch. Um, but some of it was us being tentative. And I feel, I was hoping that we wouldn't see that from, from now Poch is in charge. I was hoping we'd see a bit more sort of, uh, uh, you know, a few more ways of combating that, that tendency that we've had. But, it's sort of been on display in the, in a couple of the Champions League games, and I hope that's not going to be sort of characteristic of, of this team uh, uh, moving forward. Yeah, yeah, well put, well put. And, and in terms of in terms of tonight, as you go into it, Matt, I mean, like, what what do you think they have to do? I mean, obviously, the the obvious answer to that is score and win the game, of course. But it, it, what, what approach do you, as a supporter, what do you want to see? Like, we all know that coaches will do their own things. Pochettino will do his thing. And, and, you know, however he chooses to set up will be his thing. But as a supporter, do you want to see the team go to the, the Etihad and, and attack? Do you want to see them be a bit cautious and, and, and be a bit sort of clever? And particularly given this Mbappe injury, I'm assuming Icardi is, is going to come in for him. How, I mean, how do you, how do you go about that? Because when you lose a player like Mbappe, you, you basically lose the entire, um, not structure, that's the wrong word, but the counter-attacking force that we've seen, particularly away from home, I wouldn't say it disappears without Mbappe, but it's half, doesn't it? Very minimum, it's half. So what do you want to see from your team going into this game? Yeah, I mean, clearly uh, not having Mbappe is a bit of a problem. <laughs> yeah. um, but on the other hand, I think uh, having Icardi presents their defence with a bit of a difficult challenge, if indeed, a uh, different challenge, excuse me, if indeed it is him who comes into the lineup a bit of a more physical um, presence to occupy them and hopefully stop them from compressing the play quite so much you know because he's going to be in the box whereas you know Mbappe doesn't spend a lot of time in the box um, and the way we were playing in the in the first leg we didn't really have that focal point so it could work in our favour um, I mean that might be me being a bit optimistic but I think I'd like us to to try and play with a bit more control because I think while I absolutely agree that Man City's second half performance was a little bit overrated uh, to put it mildly I think the sort of BT commentators going this is one of the greatest nights in <laughs> Euro British football history in Europe or something it's like come on like seriously that like, was 2-1 like such a low margin game anyway um, uh, sorry uh, it just I just momentarily got angry with BT Sport again there and I thought I'd parked it because it was like a week ago um, yeah I'd like I think their second half performance was a bit overrated, but I think our first half performance was a little bit overrated as well. I think we were really good and we looked really dangerous, but we didn't have a lot of control. And I think one consequence of, of uh, Mbappe not playing is Verratti's probably going to be in a deeper role, obviously with Gay being suspended as well. And I think that hopefully will help us just, I know it's difficult, you can't really control Manchester City because they're just absolutely relentless. But I think when we have the ball, we need to use it a bit better. And I think, we were better in the first half against City than we were against Bayern Munich in the first leg where we we wasted what little possession we had, you know, quite, uh, uh, you know, time and time again, really. But I think for this game, we need to just 
try and show a bit more composure and get on the ball and then get in their faces. I think from my point of view as a supporter, I've really enjoyed this year's Champions League campaign. I think getting to the semi-finals is, while I will be really, really gutted if we go out tonight, I think I'm quite happy that we've beaten Barcelona and we've beaten Bayern Munich and we've shown we can we can mix it with the best teams in these tight games and come out on top. I think we went to the final last year, but people will pick holes in that because of the format of the latter stage games and also the quality of the opposition that we beat to get there, which wasn't always, you know, they're good teams, but they're not the, the sort of the cream of European football. Whereas I feel like this year beating Barcelona, you know, even this version of Barcelona is still, is still no, no little achievement to get past and also getting past Bayern Munich as well. And then showing we can mix it with City. So I feel like, I feel like this has been a, a honourable Champions League campaign so far from from PSG, and I hope it doesn't end tonight. But if it does, then I feel in a way, even though we we would have gone sort of one stage uh, less far this year than we did last year, it will feel like sort of progress in a way. Does that does that make sense, or am I yeah, just yeah. Yeah, am I talking yeah. myself into? <laughs> no, 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 hundred percent. Like that, and that that's I'll give I'll give Jez the last word on tonight's game in a second. But just before I do. You did kind of touch on something that I, I did want to ask you as well, which is w- what happens if, um, and as I say, yeah, I'm, I'm very much in your camp. I, I hope PSG do overcome this as much as anything else because, you know, it's good it's good for French football and it would be really lovely to rub it in a lot of uh, English football fans' face once again. But that aside, um, and also seeing BT cry would be equally <laughs> fun. But um, what what happens if if not? Because we've, we've mentioned how close the title race is. I mean... If you just said to me two years, three years, even five years ago, PSG will finish the season with potentially the cup and that's it. That that's that's quite a big step sort of downwards, isn't it? And you, you can't pin that on Poch because he's coming halfway through the season, there's a whole two yeah, coincidence and everything. But it it surely will shape the decisions made in the summer in terms of Leonardo and his recruitment, in terms of who stays and who goes. There's already talk that Icardi is surplus to requirements and he was only brought in what, twelve months ago. Does does this does the, the impact of this result, if it goes against you, have quite a big say in, in how this squad is restructured and what the goals are set for Poch in the summer, do you think? Uh, I mean, I hope not. I hope that they don't, if we end up with just the Coupe de France or or indeed no trophies at all, I hope that it doesn't cause them to have a massive, like, uh, you know... Uh, Meltdown. Uh, yeah, basically, for want of a better word, yes. And we know this this messy rumour, which seems completely unprobable and ridiculous, has been rumbling on for ages. And, uh, I mean, I very much hope that that doesn't happen, but it's the sort of thing you could... Um, past behaviour see PSG sort of going all out for if we if we did lose the title say and didn't make it through in the Champions League I would like to see I think the problems in our squad are, are pretty clear I think the fullback areas are particularly uh, are particularly lacking of quality um, I think Icardi question is I mean I think it was interesting that they chose to go through with the Icardi transfer anyway in the in the circumstances it was quite a lot of money with the pandemic and stuff and a player that Maybe we didn't desperately need, uh, so it doesn't surprise me that they might be looking to move him on. But I hope that there's no massive overreaction because I feel like we know what the we know what's good about this squad and we know what's bad about it. And uh, you know we've still got the the ever sort of um, the ever unanswerable question of whether Mbappe and Neymar extend, uh, which you know seems to be dragging on forever. So I feel like they've got enough to do without kind of having some 
massive as you put it meltdown and um <laughs> and throwing the whole plan out the window and started again i'm hopeful that now poch and leonardo are obviously on the same page uh hopefully they've already got a plan for the summer and they will they will implement that regardless of whether it goes on to be a sort of a glorious end to the season or a, or a slightly tame one yeah yeah absolutely well said um final word on this game then jazz from from yourself what's your kind of uh sort of feelings towards the, the game as a whole i guess we we kind of covered but do you do you want to kind of similar question i guess what i put to matt do you want to see psg sort of go out you know balls to the wall essentially tonight and really put on a performance or do you want to see them um i, I don't want to use the term shithouse the way to glory but we kind of have seen that side before where it has been about you know game management and you know neymar taking a tumble at a certain time potentially to get a penalty of wins a game do you really care or do, or do you want to see a, a proper performance and, and, you know, they, if they do go out tonight, they go down in flames kind of thing. I want, I want them to sort of win the match by playing good football. But if, if yeah. by doing that in the last sort of five minutes or so, you get a few sort of well-timed tumbles, then fine. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a little bit different to sort of Neymar often doing it from fifth minute in rather than five minutes from the end. Um, and, you know, it's nothing that City or any other English team don't do as well, despite what BT commentators will have you believe. Um, you know, whatever. I was going to have a dig at Liverpool, but it's a bit gratuitous. <laughs> but um, I, look, I think if PSG managed to, to qualify for the final, they'll have done it in a good way. I, d- I don't think you can... I don't think it's possible. They need a, you know, a... a probably a, a win by a two goal margin if they if they achieve that i don't think you can shit house your way to a a two nil win or whatever it will take at at man city i think they'll have well earned it um and yeah i, th- I think it will probably be my concern is that if they go if they go too gung-ho then i think city can pick them off and and sort of it could become a, a, a big win for City. So I think they need to be sensible. But I think any way that PSG win this match, I think they'll they'll it will have to be something that we'll we'll be looking back on and saying it was impressive and, you know, dare I say one of the great uh, European performances. <laughs> um I yeah, I, I kind of agree with with Matt though that I'm not going to say the pressure's off because we know that, you know, PSG's ultimate aim is to win the Champions League and and if you know if they were to get knocked out now then that's sort of one stage earlier than last year but i i agree that i think this is in some ways more impressive than, than last year and it shows that um you know rightly or wrongly people were laughing at them for all those sort of second round defeats and quarter final defeats all that kind of thing but you know when you're getting two semi-finals two years in a row I don't think that's a coincidence. And and if they can keep building on that and, you know, really establish themselves as not one of the eight best teams in Europe, but consistently one of the four best teams in Europe, then I think that's a good thing. But I do worry that if this goes wrong and if the title goes wrong, someone like El Khalifi, who I still think is an idiot who knows nothing about football, um, will sort of overdo things. As Matt said, I think there's lots that's very good about the squad. The things that aren't good about the squads, my concern is that 
they've never been good about the squad. You know, they haven't had decent fullbacks throughout the QSI project. They haven't replaced Thiago Motta since he retired. There's positions there that have been crying out for a decent replacement. And I'm not sure that sort of spending 400 million on a couple of star strikers is necessarily uh, kind of, you know, covered, covered those faults. I don't think you can consistently win things without a, a you know, a bastard in midfield, but who can also play football, for example, or without really decent overlapping fullbacks. Um, so, yeah, I hope they don't sort of throw the baby away with the bathwater, but, you know, whether they win this or not, the same problems are there and they still need to be um, rectified, but this is an ongoing project. I do think there's progression year on year. Um, obviously sometimes there's a step back but generally I think PSG are taking steps forward on the sort of European stage and, and you know, I hope that whatever happens, whatever they do or don't win this summer, that sensible decisions are made and yeah, yeah. bringing Messi in is not a sensible decision no, no, I think we can certainly all agree on, on that one, absolutely. One thing's for sure, it should be a really good watch. Uh, well, I say for sure, you just never know with European football these days, but hopefully it's a good watch and and hopefully we've got some good news for, for next week. Um, you have to forgive me now, dear listener, I'm going to talk for a little bit without too much input from, from the panellists, but I do just want to run through the other results from Liga uh, from last weekend because there's a few significant ones here. So from top to bottom, we saw Marseille and Strasbourg draw one all in just the most Marseille of Marseille performances on Friday night. Uh, Mitrovic putting the away side in front with a, a terrific header and they were really unlucky not to see this out, but they didn't see it out as Dario Benedetto scored. I think it's his first goal. I think it's his first goal this year for memory, but it's a really good header and uh, that levelled things up for for. San Paoli's men. So, yeah, a bit unconvincing, in fairness, but uh, 1-1 draw for them. We uh, then saw, obviously, we covered two Saturday games. On the Sunday game, the early game was a massive, much-needed win for Bordeaux as uh, a young man by the name of Senkumara scoring his first goal. I think it was on his first start as well for, for Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah. There you go. Young 17-year-old, really good goal as well. He enjoyed it. And uh, Bordeaux got the points. Steven Zonzi was sent off after eight minutes in this one. Uh, yeah, I kind of can see why, but it was a little bit questionable. Can I, I, can I just, I know you wanted to talk, but just to say that obviously Bordeaux have had a bad couple of weeks with all of the, obviously the on-pitch stuff isn't brilliant, but the off-pitch stuff with um, their you know, venture capitalist owners pulling out and everything uh, meant that they were not in a great shape. Um possibly helped that he was sent off inside 10 minutes it was harsh but it did help them and one thing I saw was the Bordeaux fans set themselves up in the car park outside yeah. um, with you know the the flares and the fumigene and the and the um, loud hailers and the players went out to thank them afterwards and in a weekend where we saw a lot of fans making their feelings clear, this was another example of that, but it was, in a sense, from the Bordeaux fans, fuck the owners, we're with the team, which I think is something that uh, obviously is 
uh, something that the Manu fans and others would very much uh, ascribe to. But it was impressive to see and to see afterwards, you know, the players going out and having pictures taken with the kids was was good. They needed that. Um, still not sure they're going to be fine, but they seem to be just about safe. Yeah. Um, so that's that was a, a very interesting episode on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah, much, much needed win. As you say, those scenes outside the ground were uh, slightly touching in that um, fans and players do certainly seem on the same page if if nobody else is. But uh, a long, well, a long winded summer ahead for uh, for Bordeaux, one suspects. Um, equally so, possibly a, a long summer for, for Nantes, depending on how they finish up, but they got a terrific win this weekend. Uh, not only did they win, they scored four goals, which I think if you'd have given me money on, I would have said, well, I'll put the money in the bank, I'm not spending it. But uh, Moses, Simon, Alivic, Blas, uh, Luza and Koulibaly with the four goals without reply until Roman Fabre spared breast blushes, at least from the scoreline. So a really good performance that from, from Nantes, uh, Brest, another club that may be slightly on the beach at this point. Um, Jazz had a lovely Sunday with uh, Metz's 5-1 demolition of already relegated Dijon. Um, uh, Gay and Saar with the openers. Uh, Saar attracting a lot of interest in Europe, uh, which will, will not please Jazz, I'm sure. But uh, Mama Belde getting one back for Dijon before a Shafi goal. Wagner and Braun with the late two strikes as well to add to the misery for Dijon. Uh, Selina was sent off before half time. So good win for Mets and uh, Dijon just want to, to end the season and get moving, I think. Uh, Lorient got a much needed 2 0 win given the other results around them at home to Angers. As we've mentioned previously, they're done for the season. Uh, Johan Visser from the penalty spot and uh, of all people, Fabien Lemoyne, with a really good goal as well. Um, he of the, the full head of grey hair uh, popped up with the second. Uh, Laporte was sent off with two bookables for Lorient. Koulibaly sent off inside 15 minutes for Angers, very much helped uh, Le Molo get that result, which was very much needed, as I said. Uh, Nîmes, they got a 2-2 draw at home to Reims. At one point, they were behind through Mboku before Ripa, who else, and Kone had put them in pole position to get the three points, but they conceded late to a man by the name of Flips. you got to love that. And uh, yes, that you'd have to say that's a really really costly concession with 10 minutes to go and um, only getting a point for them that might spell doom for the Crocs Montpellier uh, went ahead against an Etienne but the points went with Le Verre Andy Delors with the opener on six minutes but it all went a bit wonky from there Roman Amuma and uh, again in the uh, subject of unpredicted goal scorers Matthew Debucci with the winning goal for St Etienne. Uh, again, you, you sort of feel like that was just the win that St Etienne just kind of needed just to be absolutely sure of safety. And I think barring an absolute avalanche of unfortunate incidents, they should be safe. So what does all that mean? Well, Dijon, as we said, are gone. Uh, Neem with their 2-2 draw, lose ground slightly on the teams above and there on 32 points in 19th in the auto automatic relegation spot. Two points adrift of Nantes, who stay in 18th despite their win because Lorient above them also won. So Lorient have a four-point gap into 17th. So that's going to be key as they head into this game with Lyon at the weekend. Strasbourg uh, still not completely safe. 38 points for them. That win at Marseille would have been huge, but obviously being pegged back means that they're still in the mix. And Bordeaux, despite their win, boy, did they need it given the other results, but uh, they're just keeping themselves up and above that uh, that line, 39 points. Brest, 40 points. Angers, 41. St Etienne and Rams, 42. 
should be safe. I think it's probably fair to say. And as far as we go for fixtures upcoming, we've mentioned Lons Lille and uh, we've mentioned the other title challenges as well. But uh, elsewhere, we've got Nantes against Bordeaux, which, again, as I've just mentioned, all of a sudden has quite a big um, potential to be results matter situation here because if not uh, obviously were to win that game and go up to 37 points they pull Bordeaux right back in if Bordeaux were able to take anything from that game you think that would be enough to see them safe Lorient as we said away at Lyon um, I'm going to hide behind the sofa for that one should be fun not St Etienne host Marseille in a sort of battle of what used to be you, again you'd think any sort of point from that game will 100% guarantee St Etienne's safety but they should be fine anyway Angers against Dijon, definitely nothing to see here. Don't watch that one. Metz against Nîmes, I'm sure Jez will be tuning in for that one. I feel like, again, Nîmes have to take something from that, that game, otherwise they will be looking over their shoulders at the trapdoor. Nice against Brest could be a lot of fun, but really doesn't really matter to either side at this stage. Strasbourg against Montpellier, a point for Strasbourg should see them safe, but again, Montpellier, you just never know what you're going to get. And we've mentioned Rams Monaco, and Ren PSG. We should also give a, a quick mention to Bastia, who are back in Ligue 2. I don't know if Ligue 2 are ready for this, but they're back next season. They got promoted <laughs> from the uh, the lower reaches. So um, Duck and cover, everyone. Yes. Duck and cover. When I say welcome back, I use that term slightly loosely, but, you know, they're back nevertheless. And uh, as regards to Ligue 2, um, I will just quickly bring everyone up to speed because they're in the final throws. I think there's two games left. For memory, check stats. Yes, two games left. Uh, Trois are up and promoted because they've got 74 points. They cannot be caught now by Clermont in second, who have 69 points. So Trois champions, we could see them back up. Um, and say Clermont, in fact, I don't think Clermont can be caught now. Yes, they can because Toulouse have got two games in hand. So scratch that. They got 69 points. Uh, Toulouse, as I say, two games in hand, 62 points. So if they were to win that, there would be still a chase on for automatic promotion. Uh, Grenoble are in fourth, also in the playoffs, 61 points, as are Paris FC. The dream is still alive for two Parisian clubs in the top flight. And then just outside that, uh, Osea are the only club now, mathematically, who could leapfrog either Paris FC or Grenoble, or Toulouse, in fact, depending on other results. They have 58 points uh, elsewhere. All the other clubs can't now mathematically get up. And down at the bottom, Chateau we knew had gone a, a long time ago, so they are gone. Chambly are looking like they're doomed. 35 points on 19th. Khan, who'd have thought this would have happened? Khan are on the brink of the relegation playoff. They could be heading down to the lower leagues, which is quite the fall from grace for them that they were in league course last season. Uh, they've got 38 points. And then you've got Neil, Dunkirk and Powell, who all have 40 points and are kind of looking over their shoulders a bit as well. So we'll keep you abreast of... Uh, of what happens, no pun intended, there. Uh, Phil, just a quick um, line, hand over to you, because yeah. um, PSG, unfortunately, didn't make it in the Women's Champions League. Yes, in the other Champions League, we saw PSG, who'd drawn 1-1 uh, in the first leg against Barcelona, lost 2-1 in the second leg. There was a double from Lika Martins uh, for Barcelona, uh, Marion Toto got one back for PSG, but they couldn't make it count. Um, I think what we've seen over the past kind of five, six years in 
women's football in Europe is that Barcelona have really invested and developed and improved. They were the finalists in 2019 and they will be back there again. Uh, this is going to be the first final since 2014 where there hasn't been French involvement um, after PSG beat OL in the uh, quarterfinals. But so it's a bit of a bittersweet moment, but I think it says a lot about the overall improvement of the general status of women's football in Europe and Barcelona playing Chelsea who hammered Bayern. Yeah. Bayern are really good. And Chelsea beat them 4-1 in the second leg. I think Pernil Harder, uh, it was 2-1 to Bayern in the first leg. So obviously they had to win by goals. And it was Pernil Harder who got the goal that put them through. And then Frank Kirby got her second of the game in injury time to really put a seal on it. But... That's so impressive from Chelsea. So I think this final is going to be brilliant to watch, even if, sadly, there is no French involvement. So, Yes. Yeah, indeed. That's that's the downside. But uh, it's been, from what I can gather anyway, and you know, I freely hold my hands up and say I don't watch every game um, or cover it as closely as yourself, but a few games I have tuned in for and, and reading amongst the, the general media it sounds like it's it's been a competition which has had quite a lot of twists and turns quite a lot of unexpected incidents and uh i think the whole world stepped up and went oh leon aren't in the final what's different and, and some absolutely fabulous goals as well so yes i yeah, think indeed. when that's when that's on definitely make some time yes Barca chelsea is going to be going to be fun a decent watch yes absolutely okay and uh by the way just before we do go i mentioned toulouse had games in hand they're playing one of them as we speak and they're one up against love so there you go that's that's up to date reporting for you um right last uh last thing to say really is uh matt good luck um i i hope i hope you're not going to need it i hope uh i mean imagine imagine you just go there and blow them away for one i mean yeah you know, imagine if uh, <laughs> if, um, if that happens i'll be knocking down your door to come back on this podcast next week to do my victory lap but uh i think in the, uh in the in the more likely event that uh, uh things don't go away i look forward to to talking to you guys uh, again yes yeah we'll, we'll we'll definitely invite you on uh when you next lose a final or have a crisis or <laughs> no the good, just... about, the good thing about psg is that crisis is never far away is it so uh, so <laughs> Relatives, yeah yeah and yeah that's true actually yeah i think the same can be said for pretty much every football club in europe at the moment but yeah completely agree no we'll, we'll definitely have you back on uh, i know we're planning to do a few bits and bobs um over the summer as well and uh, and whatnot so yeah we'll certainly have you have you back on but best of luck tonight and hopefully it all goes well thanks good stuff and uh, of course um, my regular panelists because without the show without them we wouldn't have a show so uh, many thanks jez and uh, hopefully you can um, watch bt like me on mute this evening <laughs> i might i might go for midsummer murders instead just thinking <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not sodden line of duty christ that's all i see in my timeline i don't want to watch it i'm not interested um and phil enjoy your glass of wine and enjoy your crackers or whatever snack of choice you have and uh thank you as always thank you and uh please 
dear listener, if you are a fan of French football, which I imagine you are, because if, if, you, if you've listened all the way to this point, you're not a fan of French football. I don't know what you've been doing here, but thanks for coming anyway. But if you are a fan of French football, do tune in specifically to that Friday night game, because uh, Lens-Lille, I think, could be a lot of fun. They're, they're not particularly keen on each other. It's a bit of a derby. Well, it is a derby, derby of the north. And uh, that will, as Phil said earlier, set the tone for what could be a very enjoyable weekend of French football. So uh, until next week, please do enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.